नमस्ते इन कंटिन्यूएशन विद द फर्स्ट टॉक ऑन इंटीग्रल योगा वेयर वी टेस्ट अपॉन अ ब्रॉडर व्यू सो वी कैन नाउ गो इन टू सम ऑफ द स्पेसिफिक प्रैक्टिसेस इफ प्रैक्टिसेस दे मे बी कॉल्ड और सूत्रास सो द फर्स्ट सूत्र ऑफ द इंटीग्रल योगा शोबिंदो हैज सेड इन टू वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग लेटर्स one he spoke of the central secret and the central secret is to be open to the mother psychically actually if we can just practice this we will see that rest of the journey become smooth and by psychic opening is uh, meant mind can open to the divine it can open to the mother but with all kinds of its reservations doubts mixtures of understanding demand for proofs etc etc the vital can also open to the divine mother but with the idea of what i can receive and based on that i will give so there is a give and take transaction of the vital and if things go its way it is very happy and believes that yes mother is there mother's grace is with me wonderful 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 but when things don't go our way then then one begins to wonder what has happened has the grace uh, withdrawn from us well all that one can say is that maybe the grace has become more active and it's taking our resolve more seriously than when things were going our way so um, because the grace is a mysterious working and if the mind could comprehend the grace then grace would be something much inferior so we must understand that the workings of grace are not according to the human mind and its desires and its wishes it has its own mysterious way where it leads the sadhak through every event circumstances of his life toward the great fulfillment so psychically is psychic is the only part which can make the right and the true response to the divine mother which means that it gives itself to the divine mother and asks for nothing in return now it's um, a big calling for many because people turn to yoga with the idea that i'll have this i'll have that if nothing else i'll have some experiences if uh, you know after some days maybe a week or uh, maybe a year or maybe few years at least i will be qualified to put the name yogi uh, before my name or i'll be at least you know regarded as somebody who has realized something in yoga all these wishes uh, which often take the form of strange ambitions have to be cast aside so our relation with the divine mother has to uh, become what originally and eternally it is and that is the relation of the eternal child of the divine mother so a child has no care nothing to worry a child is not striving to prove something to the divine mother but is in a state of happy felicity because it knows that the divine mother is there and therefore in this relation we have to build that trust and confidence in the workings of the grace so this is one part which is the most important aspect of the integral yoga in one place shobindo says very very simply all who are turned to the mother are doing my yoga and he went on to qualify that just turning towards me is not sufficient you must be turned to the mother at some point some stage this happens like an apocalyptic vision and that changes everything and the mother speaks of initiation in this yoga as that moment when we recognize that she is the divine mother this recognition cannot be done by any kind of mental analysis and it should not be done 
people try to convince a mother that she is the divine mother no the divine mother will reveal when we are ready that she is the divine mother and that moment we are finished after that from that point onwards our life begins to take a very different um, journey a very different uh, approach everything begins to change shift within and shift without so the first fundamental sutra this is not even the first this is the thing if we can do this then the rest follows the first fundamental sutra of this yoga is that it is done through life and not cutting from life that's why uh, very often people uh, speak about okay you are practicing the yoga so what are you doing so the answer would be what i am doing has to be turned into yoga not that there is a separate set of activities i remember in in bangalore uh, every morning i used to go to the shurbindo center to clean the place and clean the photographs and everything morning 5 5:30 and it used to be sometimes raining sometimes storm all seasons it was like jana hai jana hai we have to go so one day i met one of my fellow officer friends and in the lift he just asked me early morning i see you going there uh, do you go there for yoga i said yes so he asked me which asanas have you which uh, yoga have you learned meaning thereby what asanas have learned <laughs> so <laughs> by then the lift uh, came to the to a halt and i said more about it later but i wanted to t- tell him i mean if i had time i would have told him and if he would understand i would tell him that it's uh, sirshasana in reverse so what is sirshasana in reverse the world turns topsy turvy <laughs> yoga is a reversal of consciousness change of consciousness there is a way we look at the world there is a way we understand the world there is a way we deal with the world all these changes this change of consciousness is the fundamental aspect of yoga and not having visions and experiences now visions voices experiences are good they enrich the consciousness especially visions and voices but the true experiences of yoga are those that change the consciousness and they are fundamentally subjective in nature the first thing therefore that we must try to cultivate is peace peace in the storm peace in every circumstance peace on the battlefield and there are various ways of cultivating this peace there are mechanical methods we sit and call for peace as she says like a um, you know mechanically like a dumb person <laughs> so uh, who doesn't know what he is calling but peace 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 that's why perhaps in india we have this tendency to call uh, you know you shanti mantra with everything so just uh, simply calling peace whenever we are sitting for some time we have nothing to do peace 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 and we can deepen this peace peace in the mind peace in the thoughts peace in the eyes it's it's a corrective for all kinds of defects of vision so peace in the eyes and peace in the sight peace in my hearing so what happens when there is peace in the hearing whatever comes from outside gets filtered through peace so even if somebody is uh, hurling abuses to you because it passes through the zone of peace so there is no not the reaction that we usually get instead we that you know reaction gets that action or that vibration gets highly modified so it doesn't really touch us because we are surrounded by a zone of peace similarly when our eyes are constantly you know that peace is filling our eyes flooding our eyes then what we see gets imbued with that peace you know when otherwise normally you see when you see an accident or some event which uh, induces fear or anxiety because we are seeing something the whole nervous system res- responds but once peace is established in the system we'll do what needs to be done but we'll not react with uh, you know that aha or that 
whole thing. So often I used to tell my students who would, both medical practitioners who would also want to practice a bit of yoga, that what is the first aid you ever give to a person? Somebody has fallen down, bitten by a snake. What is the first aid you should give? So everybody speaks of the book, this, that. So the first first aid is peace. Just tell him, stay in peace. Nothing is going to happen. Everything will be fine. This peace is such a wonderful thing that actually if one can learn to cultivate it, then one can say that half the battle has been won. This peace itself is a power. So this peace that Shabindu speaks about is not a peace of inaction, not a peace which is like, okay, I want to make peace because there is nothing I can do. This peace is a power. And when a person who is filled with this peace speaks a word, it has a tremendous vibration and a tremendous effect. So the first few, uh, maybe initial period, one should try to cultivate peace. And there is no limit to this. Because initially one cultivates some degree of peace. Then as we advance, new situations come and there are new opportunities to practice peace. So it can be peace towards physical uh, situations, physical discomforts. And then it can be a peace towards, you know, um, vital insults and vital praises. And then it can be a peace when there are contrary opinions, contrary viewpoint. Now this, the beauty of this peace is it makes our understanding much more clear. If you ob- ob- observe ourselves, uh, you know, clearly we'll see that what happens is that everything that enters into the head enters through a zone of turbulence, agitation, preconceived ideas, uh, excitement, even emotions and gets modified. So we add a lot of things to every information. I'll give a small example and very often we'll see this, you know, this should be the rights in the mother. He says, do not imagine that truth and falsehood can stay together in the you know, same house. And imagine when we are very much full of that, we have painted an image of a very strict disciplinarian God because that's how we see him as the judge who punishes, who avenges, who rewards. So we'll read the same sentence, do not imagine that truth and falsehood. Now it falsifies the whole thing. Shubhinda is saying with utmost compassion, like a father cautioning his child, that look here, you know, my child, you may fall. Be careful. He is not saying that I have abandoned you. So when he says grace, uh, so the mother was asked that, uh, what does it mean that, uh, does the grace ever withdraw from a person? She says, no, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that grace will always be with you, but you will feel as if it is withdrawn. He's saying it's it's set from another angle because when we um, indulge in falsehood, when we indulge in Uh, particularly the worst form of falsehood is hostility to the divine, all these things, then what happens is that we cut ourselves off from the grace or we may put our face away from the grace. So it's so important to stay in a state of peace and actually even understanding Shurabindo. People say that, you know, there are so many books and how to understand. Very simply, call for peace and then read it. The mother says, stay quiet. And in that state of quietness, quietude, read. Read a little. And do not try to even understand it. But just this quietude, these words will go inside and start doing their work. So peace is the first fundamental requirement. And along with peace, the second indispensable basis is equanimity. So we can see that equanimity especially can be only practiced when we are in the world. To a person sitting in meditation, there is uh, generally speaking no 
real practice of equanimity unless he gets a you know itchy feeling in his scalp or there is a bee humming somewhere or there is a mosquito biting that's the equanimity can practice or sometimes when he hears people say uh, switch off the cell phone and this and that then he has to practice equanimity not react are ashram mein ye aisa kyon bol rahe are let the person do what they are doing you be in a state of equanimity people say things don't say things so equanimity is something which is a practice in life and in this yoga as in the yoga of the gita equanimity is the foundation so peace calm equanimity will lay a very good foundation for the new creation so this what one should practice and there is no limit to its practice and i think i have already mentioned about the three levels at which physical vital mental emotional all these levels it has to be practiced there are several ways of practicing it one is indifference the other is facing it with a courage inside but the most best way is resignation to the divine will and surrendering to the divine mother so this is the best way knowing that whatever she does is for the best and right now i may not be able to understand anything about anything as if we ever understand so but she knows and she is carrying me through this journey of life and i entrust my life and destiny to her so peace equanimity and along with that the mother speaks about cultivating these the five elements of psychological perfection there is a whole uh, wonderful uh, you know conversation of the mother on this flower called champa psychological perfection so these qualities we have to develop as we go through life one of them she speaks about courage or aspiration so why aspiration she equates with courage because aspiration is something which bids us to move forward but the moment we move forward we meet obstacles naturally it's not we are you know aspiring for the cup of immortality it's not something it will just handed over oh you are an applicant to the cup of immortality please take it and take it this is a old story of sagar manthan how much one has to labor struggle even till the end and then one becomes an adhikari so aspiration will meet with obstacles the obstacles are primarily within but the obstacles can also take the form of people outside they may not allow us for for example sometime for various reasons we have no time to really engage in uh, aspiring so what we should do while we are doing things we should aspire aspiration is something which can continue i mean uh, you may be going to office you may be driving you may even be doing work in between constantly this flame in the heart so what has to be done here in terms of practice this flame in the heart and i think last time someone asked this aspiration must be given a concrete form it's not just concentrating on a fire within but with this seeking what am i seeking why am i turned to this yoga what am i really wanting uh, in terms of the divine uh, am i there could be an aspiration for growing in love there could be an aspiration for faith aspiration for peace aspiration for service of the divine aspiration for knowledge light anything for that matter wideness so and especially there are states when we will be going through a particular kind of difficulty so aspiration can take that you supposing there is a lot of confusion and misunderstanding so we can actually aspire for a greater understanding supposing there is disorder we can aspire for greater harmony so this aspiration is something which has the power to cut through obstacles whereas supposing we are meeting with difficulty there is disorder chaos disharmony so what happens most of the time people start sulking which is what uh, that fellow who you know who is called as the adverse force wants his purpose is to make you sulk 
His purpose is to push him to depression. That oh, yoga and all is for a later thing. Look here, what is happening in my life? What is happening in my life is the path. So the path is everywhere. The path is through everything. We should not imagine that the path is when we sit and quietly meditate. This is the path when something happens which seems like an insurmountable obstacle, and that is the moment we have to make a leap of faith. It's a beautiful opportunity. On one side, one may take an attitude that, well, what is the use of all this? You know, one turns to yoga, tries all this, and look what is happening in my life. If you ask from the divine end, he will say, you know, because you turned to yoga, divine has taken you a little more seriously. <laughs> That's why all this is happening in your life. So aspiration is courage, and somebody who doesn't have courage, who is very afraid, who doesn't want you, who wants only pleasant things to happen in life, you know, weak people, cowardly people, they want only. Oh, pleasant things to happen. Well, life brings its face of unpleasantness, and it's part of the game plan. And one who cannot face unpleasant situations, the challenge of life, the battle of life, is not ready for the integral vision. That's why. That's what Shubhendu reveals in you know essays on the Gita. That why Arjuna is given this blessed, blessed uh, vision, which you don't find in the history of spiritual literature. You know, of course, Mother and Shurbindo for the first time describe what they experience, which is something very beautiful, beyond anything that ever has been expressed. But nowhere we find this kind of uh, experience. And Arjuna is not like a sage of the Vedas who is sitting in the forest, and he is in the battlefield of Kurukshetra. And Shurbindo says, somebody who doesn't have the strength to face that side from which we abhor. What do we do when we face that side? We say, "Oh, this is devil. This is titan. This is something else." But God, He is all present. So people often say, "Mother is testing me." Sometimes they say, "Mother is all good. What can I do? This is my karma, etc., etc." But to see unity means even in that which is shattering us to pieces, from every piece we must cry, "Ma, ma, 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 ma," so that we can be rebuilt. See when. I think today there was some very beautiful little something which I was reading. When life shatters you, it is it means it's preparing for a new creation. It gives the example of a seed. A seed is shattered. Plant grows. Clouds are shattered and they rain. So similarly, when it seems that everything is breaking down, that is the time one has to practice yoga. So yoga is not practice sitting in a Hermitage. People have this idea, by the way, about ashram and similar idea about Aravil. Oh, now life will be comfortable. Probably the other way round, because <laughs> now the real story begins. Now the yoga begins. So aspiration or courage. So in all these things should become feeders for the aspiration. That's what is necessary to turn everything in in a, in the bonfire within and turn it to the divine mother. The second thing she. Asks us to practice is faith. So faith is, of course, the fundamental. Without faith, there is no advancement of the journey. So the Gita goes on to say, "Shraddha van labte." If you don't have faith, you don't arrive. Men who are filled with doubt cannot find. It's those who are endowed with faith they find. And it even goes on to say that faith is the man. At the end, all things will come and go, but the faith endures. So we must guard our faith. Faith is a gift from God, and it's the light of the soul. If we don't have it, we should ask for faith. We should be in the company of those who have faith. 
we should carefully avoid people who throw doubts meaning thereby reading all those you know books from um, harvard university institute of religious studies avoid all that read the ramayana read the geeta they are so wonderful scriptures so fill the heart with faith and this faith means by its very nature that through all the vicissitudes of life we have it so faith is another very important thing to cultivate and uh, of course reading shubhendra's books itself brings faith this faith has to be distinguished from belief belief is in a kind of system but faith is something much more intrinsic and shubhendra speaks of three uh, kinds of faith that we must have faith minimum that every human being should have is faith in oneself i mean <laughs> whatever venture my soul has chosen to undertake it has the strength to realize it you see this is what swami vivekananda also said if i if my soul didn't have the faith that it can arrive it won't have taken a venture so faith in oneself then faith in one's destiny through all the ups and downs one will arrive and faith in the divine grace and its leading we may not be able to see anything and yet it is leading so faith is important so along with aspiration and faith the third element is equanimity or endurance we have already spoken about it and then there is perseverance perseverance equanimity endurance they all go together what is perseverance the perfect example that i learn every day is from the crow try to shoe any amount the crow will fly short distance come back if you want to learn what perseverance is learn from the crow so that story we heard from isop's fable is dripping dropping stone is not just of his intelligence that he is but perseverance the fellow knows that if i put so many stones eventually the water will come up <laughs> he doesn't mind exhausting his efforts but waits for that so yoga is for those who can persevere there is one word in the upanishads called as dhira stamasmastham yenupashyanti dhira one who is impatient one who is you know in a hurry can only have yoga the mcdonald's way means you pay some 1000 dollars you will get some nice experience probably psychedelics can give you you know i hear nowadays it's so frightening how use ka people take it to get some kind of you know and they ask oh this experience i get that experience i get experiences are not equal to yoga experiences of life outside experiences within it's a whole range can enrich the consciousness they don't change it yoga is about change of consciousness so if one perseveres eventually the change comes so perseverance means one is patient one is willing to wait whatever time is needed and then the fourth thing which is important is devotion or gratitude mother takes both these names gratitude is one form of love she says it's a different view of love so gratitude to the divine for what for everything for giving life for giving this day for taking us to the path for the goal we are waiting for some marvelous thing to happen like somebody magically brings a gift hamper and we say god thank you so much you gave it to me that's not that's the most last important thing and we don't know that may be a trap <laughs> okay <laughs> another kind of honey trap <laughs> but that's not it the real gift of grace is that i am alive i can aspire i can seek the divine he has brought me to the path he has shown me the goal what more does one ever need it's enough to take one through lifetimes 
So to fill our lungs every day with gratitude, one doesn't need any reason for gratitude. It's just a state of the heart which is turned to the divine. And yes, along with that love, and the best expression of that love is service. So to say, I love the divine, but when it comes to service, somebody else will do that. That's why in Shubhendu's yoga, service is so important. Some work or the other we should take up for the divine. And it can be seen in two ways. One is there are works which are divine work, which the divine has started and initiated and one joins in that work. For example, all work in the ashram has been initiated by the divine mother and we have to take it that, you know, it is the mother's work. This is Shobindo's words. And therefore, the moment we join it and the very fact because there is no money involved in it, there is no power, position, whatever we may cry, ultimately this work has to be done only for the sake of the divine. Then only we get the joy and the growth happens. So it is one way to look at the divine work. The second is because all of us may not be and it may not be necessary to be in a certain kind of field. So wherever we are, whatever we are doing, we take it in the spirit of serving the divine, which means a change of orientation. So when we are cooking, we are not waiting for some other person to appreciate. We have offered it to the divine, it has become a prasad. When we are wearing a nice dress, we are not waiting, looking at uh, people that, you know, how much they are appreciating it. We have worn the dress for the divine. And the moment we stood in front of the mirror and said, Ma, let's look at this fellow and that's, that's enough, that's done. Of course, we'll dress nicely, beautifully because beauty is an expression of the divine. But not dressing all this to show. There is a very subtle difference. So this is how one does everything, dedicating it to the divine. And the state of offering constantly as an act of love. It's not something mechanical because we want, you know, like children. Uh, when we were uh, children, then on special days like Durga Puja, there used to be a custom in the house, Ram, Nami, Durga Puja, that a new set of clothes will be made. So, you wore that cloth and we were taught, Sabse pehle Bhagwanji ko dikhana. First, you go to Bhagwanji and show him your dress. And it was so beautiful. That time I didn't understand its real meaning. But now I follow it assiduously. So, whenever I get a new dress, I wear it on some special occasion. The first thing is to go to the ashram. Ma, that's my new dress. You have given it. <laughs> See. So it makes the thing feel blessed. It could be anything. It could be a dress, a watch, anything. Chappals. I mean, <laughs> I remember once taking the chappals, first new chappal to the ashram and I could find it. So new chappals. Came back, barefooted, went to the house. Uh, I took it, gone. No problem. She gave it, she took it. Next day when I went, uh, the chapel was there. Now, it was obviously taken by somebody. Then the person left or I didn't. Because it was raining, I didn't realize. So, uh, my mind assumed, oh, whole night the chapel has stayed inside the ashram. So beautiful. <laughs> so, I was so happy with the idea that my chapels have stayed in the ashram throughout <laughs> Throughout the night So what if I couldn't So you know It's the attitude With which you take it Then every act Becomes a sacrament It's a small little thing And one may say Array, What has this got to do With yoga But every little Remembrance of the divine At every little thing Has to do with yoga The divine notes it He doesn't miss anything See even a conscious person Notes uh, the slightest gestures If you are really Leading a conscious life Somebody has said something, done something very small. You will note that gesture. There is a story of the mother that there was an uncouth person who had all the priority 
to go and visit mother any time and uh, you know sampaklal ji asked why this person you are giving so much importance he said you know when i came here and on 30th march 29th march he had to meet shirbindo so she asked there was a man on the road and she asked him where does shirbindo live and he had pointed out and that was enough for her to feel gratitude this is the way of the divine she has shown by her own example there is another story where someone uh, sent her a rupee and told her that mother uh, tell mother that i want her to buy mangoes and eat now mother was not fond of mangoes well <laughs> mangoes are typically indian <laughs> fruits and we are so fond of it because now you know why i'm saying we should not make a cult oh mother didn't like mangoes let's not eat mangoes to compensate it i must say that amras is one of the things made on 19th june duman bai's birthday and everybody it's distributed so <laughs> so it's not about mango the thing is mother didn't was not fond of mangoes but she immediately asked the disciple to go and get the mango and she took a bite of it so divine takes the smallest slightest little thing that we give it's not like he is waiting for some big thing to be given what we are whatever you know as the geeta says patram pushpam phulam toyam anything a drop of water and all this goes into our account he notices it there is the story mother would recount of you know that lady uh, to whom shiva came as a beggar and asked her to that i want something to eat and the lady says i have nothing but i had half an apple and half is lying here if you want i can give it to you and mother says she did not even know that he is shiva and she gave that apple and she says that is the most perfect gift you can give it is in completeness it doesn't matter so these are not just mechanical things that you know you are eating you are offering whenever we remember it's not like if we forgot in the beginning so is oh my god i made a mistake it's not about that it's like a river flowing towards the divine you forgot at a point of time doesn't matter when you remember that morsel let it go in the divine name you forgot while watching television you got so absorbed suddenly remember that well ma watch through me so then you see the very news will start holding a new meaning because everything is being offered to her all that is entering into our consciousness through all the senses but yes we can equally try to refine these senses so that not any kind of muck enters into her now there i take this other story of shubindo where somebody said divine can take everything niruddha so why should we give to him filtered water and shubindo had a very beautiful answer but why should you feed to the divine water full of germs and bacteria so while it is true that we can offer everything to the divine but how beautiful if you make a tasty meal and give him meaning there why the meal for the divine is coming through all the senses that's why in the indian term word aahar is all that we take within so let's stay away from poison that governs the world we don't have to take it and offer and say i went to the party and club and i enjoyed but i offered it to the divine mother of course she will take it does she have a choice she is bound to the bhakta but is that what we should be offering is where my faithfulness comes that why shouldn't i offer her something which is beautiful why shouldn't i offer her uh, 
let's say I have to travel, I want to go to a place, I go to a beautiful place and tell her, Ma, look at this wonderful Himalayan ranges, this lovely site and I want to offer it to you. Then to go to a, you know, so this is where the discernment has to be active. While we can offer everything, similarly, all kinds of our, our voice, our speech, all this is an offering to her. Not only offering to her, it's an offering to her in terms of the world action. Every time we speak ill of somebody, every time we utter a harsh word, every time we are being critical of someone, every time we are passing a negative remark, and of course, of course, of course, every time we use an abusive word, we are as if waging a war against the divine. Mother's words. Every time you quarrel, you are as if waging a war against the divine. So it's, that's what is conscious living. When I speak, am I really assisting the divine work? What is the divine work? So many people we meet and people are all mixed back. So instead of saying, oh, how horrible, you know, this person, or even reacting inwardly, we don't have to say. We have become decent enough that we don't express our primitive barbarism outside. But we hold it inside. So that's our decency. So you walk into a you know big five star hotel and you feel you are you know big man all around people everybody is looking with jealousy ambition all those things this is not uh, our inner state should be clean so just inwardly we can think somebody is quarrelling angry with us how should we respond we should simply pray that may there be peace in the person's heart somebody is torn with jealousy it's a miserable state Offer that to the divine and pray that, Ma, let the sting of jealousy with he be healed with your love. At the same time, within me, let this poison not spread into me, not affect me. Let it change within me into the pure vibration of pure love. So this is how the yoga goes on intertwined by life. So this is the aspect of gratitude and love and surrender which flows from that. So surrender means three things. This is the fifth petal of the psychological perfection. Partly we have spoken of as offering. So, uh, first surrender is that when we go, there is a central surrender. That central surrender is, Mother, I am yours. You know, like a recruit goes to a <laughs> new place and he goes and puts his name in the register. So, Mother, I am yours. So, how do we know if she has put the name in the register or not? Don't worry. We let's do what we have to do. She will put her name. <laughs> she has her own way. She has her own register. In fact, the truth is that we cannot go and tell her that mother put my name in the register unless she has already put the name. So that's how Shivinda puts it. He who has chosen the infinite has been chosen in the infinite. <laughs> so don't worry about putting. No, some people say, oh, when will I become a prosperity holder? Oh, all that is okay. It's beautiful. But your name is there in the register of the Divine Mother because that's why my heart has sought her. Rest is the uh, you know, consequences which will follow. So, first surrender is central surrender. Mother, I am yours. My destiny is now in your hands. What you will do with it is now your affair. So, Mother will say, sure. No, this is a way of saying, <laughs> dramatic way. Yes, Mother, everything is yours. You are very happy. You walk out and you get a news <laughs> of something which you never wanted to happen. And it has happened. Now what has happened? You have made a center surrender. <laughs> My destiny is yours. So what are you going to do? 
You are going to doubt the Divine Mother? No. Again remind her, Mother, destiny is yours. <laughs> Do with it what you want. Keep on telling it to her, referring it back to her. So everything will become a path. Mother, this is yours. So everything that is happening in the life, life will shift sometimes dramatically. You know, who is she? Alone her hands can change time's dragon base. One who has turned to the divine, the life is not ever going to be the same. It will shift in ways which are unprecedented. So central surrender is, Mother, I am yours. My destiny is yours. Take care of it. And time to time, as Shurabindu said, keep reminding. Why we need to keep reminding? Not that the divine doesn't remember. He never forgets. Why we should keep reminding is because we would forget. I have found this formula very useful. And uh, I have a psychological reason to this process. So, uh, every time in life when something has happened, unprecedented, you didn't want or you had never expected. So, I go and say, Mother, my destiny is yours. So, it immediately says, yes, yes, I have already told her. So, this is not to be worried about. I have already told her. So, it should remind yourself. Second, what happens? It clears the passage. Because by doing that from our side, maybe I, I would have resisted. Maybe something was resisting. Otherwise, uh, maybe I would have tried to, you know, force myself, forgotten that I have offered my destiny to her. So this, we have to keep reminding time to time. So surrender is one-time process and a lifetime process. Start with this central surrender about oneself and destiny. Then it has to become detailed surrender. We are going for a picnic, mother, we are going for a picnic. This, this is the way of ashram life. They go for a picnic. Mother, I am going for a cinema. I am which cinema? You can tell in detail. Don't worry. She's not going to judge us. Oh, you are going to the mall to see this cinema? How bad of you. Go for a good cinema, of course. That's what we were speaking about. But you can offer to her. And be careful. See, that's why the reason why cinema was shown in the playground is because outside the vibrations are like that. But at the same time, now fortunately now cinema is available on television screen and all kinds of platform. This is not to say that seeing cinemas is the royal way to go to yoga. But even cinema can be seen as part of the yoga. She says there is a way when your vital doesn't get engaged but your mind can learn a lot of things. I have seen so many things one can learn just by watching a cinema. If one watches it attentively with the discerning mind. So everything can become part of that process and we surrender it to the divine. That doesn't mean that I will watch horror movie to show, see how much I have got over fear. This is the line between authentic surrender and foolishness and stupidity. So that's what Shubindu used to say that, you know, would say that first thing people surrender is their common sense. So it doesn't mean, okay, now I am going to, you know, I have done this stupidity once, not horror movie, but something else. So in Air Force, I had picked up because of, you know, whatever, um, maybe some predilection. So two months, this drinking habit, alcohol. And I realized that, my God, this can hook me very badly. Uh, all emotional states began to come up. I, I was the biggest devdas in the world. And then I was wondering how to get rid of it. And then one day, something happened. That's a long story. But one night and it was gone. Uh, you know, it's, it, it went away. The divine had his ways. So two months. And two months cleared everything. After that, I never felt an urge. In fact, anybody would say alcohol and I would feel like pukish. But after some years, I said, is it really gone? 
So, surrender of common sense example. So, I went to a friend's place and he said, Talk saab, thoda sa. So, I, I had no reason to think. But I said, okay, let me see whether it has really gone from my system. <laughs> of course, I prayed to her. So, luckily, I didn't get back into it. That sip was enough to realize that it has really gone off from my system. And, uh, you know, it is not to be taken. Because it was completely horrible. Horror. So, but supposing one continues, what does it matter? So, that's where we have to understand not to surrender the common sense. Not to be foolish. I mean, in the sense, common sense should be upgraded to a discerning intelligence. It's not like we foolishly do anything and say, I am surrendering to the divine. I am doing this. I am surrendering to the divine. No doubt, this was asked to Sri If we surrender sincerely to the divine, then he will make use of even the follies of nature for a greater good. This also he has written and he has said people who can take this attitude and keep to it truly in the true sense he will lead us through circumstances, situations, events, happenings in the body, outside the body but perfect our consecration. So the detailed thing is in everything and everywhere we keep invoking but as I said keeping the discernment alive. So discerning mind is really important. One of the first thing that yoga does she has said is that it awakens the discerning mind before we can talk about the voice of the soul. And what does the discerning mind say? There are two ways of the way discerning mind operates. At the first level, when it is just developing, it tells us what will take us nearer to the goal and what will take us further. There are no rules about it. To each his own. Each one has to see. To somebody, one thing may take you nearer the goal, to another person, something else. The same thing which is taking one nearer to the goal may be just the thing not to be done by the other person. So there are no such rules and regulations. Of course, there are some general things which he has spoken about, which are obvious. But otherwise, in general, this, what will take me closer to the goal and what will not take me closer to the goal or away from the goal is the first discernment. But the second discernment is how she defines vigilance. She says, you are ready to Take advantage of all the situations of life to grow in consciousness. That is another level of discernment. Where every situation you find yourself in, you can pluck that little, you know, grain of gold and leave the husk aside. So, because in everywhere divine is hidden, just as the path is everywhere, divine is everywhere. And we have to, uh, like a, uh, she has used a word, we have to take out that ingot of gold. Out of everything. It is buried in the dust and heap of human nature. So we have to learn to extract it and integrate it with our life and its everyday thing. This and finally, we have to surrender our character. This is the most important, most difficult surrender. So surrender of character means, okay, we can surrender outer things. I can say destiny is yours. I am yours. And then event and circumstances, I am surrendering to her, I can be vigilant. Surrender of character means that I have a way of thinking, understanding, way of being, reacting to life. Now this I must surrender to her. For example, there are people who are prone to anger. And they justify their anger in hundred ways. What can I do? Somebody is like this, I will be angry. Or, see, Durvasa Rishi, we have great examples. <laughs> Poor Durvasa has to be dragged in. If he really comes, he'll be disaster. So better he doesn't come. Or some sadhak, see, Swami Vivekananda was prone to anger. See, so and so sadhak, 
great sadhak he used to have anger none of this matters at the end of the day what is your goal <laughs> it comes in the way of your progress that's it even somebody very close to shirbindo if he was prone to anger that doesn't justify that i should be it is a defect it's a weakness mother has said anger is a sign of weak vital people who are strong are calm then don't get angry people who are weak get angry so once i realize it every time the anger comes and i am taking of anger there could be 100 things fear mother what may happen what may happen it's not just about you know somebody asked me when the corona thing was had started off after some time people were getting very sick of corona not the corona sickness but sick of the corona prolonging its reign so they asked me ki when will corona go i am no soothsayer or anything huh? they asked आलोक भाई कोरोना कब जाएगा तो मैंने कहा जब मनुष्य के अंदर से भय चला जाएगा वेन विल कोरोना गो वेन फियर वेनिशेस फ्रॉम हार्ट वॉट इज कोरोना डूइंग इट्स थ्रोइंग ए चैलेंज इट्स टीचिंग अस पुशिंग अस फॉर अभयम बिकॉज एट दी एंड पीपल रियलाइज कम वॉट मे द फेलो विल कैच यू Here, there, everywhere, he is hiding in that little dust. How much will you be afraid? So, at some point, you say, "Well, hey, Corona, you take care rather than the Corona." So, this is the way life will throw countless challenges, and we will see that we are reacting in a certain way. That little reaction, that quiver, we have to catch it and offer it to the mother. And it sometimes lies very carefully hidden. She gives a very interesting example. every day and this is something to be practiced every day and night whenever or maybe in a few days depending on we should look back upon our life especially when we are having a crisis moment and reflect and see what is that whole train of things which led to this point so you'll see a train now where did it all start you'll see a little seed somewhere inside then you see where did this seed come from you'll see a portion of the ego refusing to budge some resistance then she says you have to pick it up like a with a pincer take it out and throw it far she says don't think that it'll vanish it will come back it will come back a hundred times and you have to do it a hundred times so you'll see that little thing which is somewhere inside which is creating a blocks in savitri book 3 canto 1 we see this wonderful line where uh, shubindo says then lest a human cry should disturb the truth from coming in he tore desire up from its bleeding roots and offered to the gods the vacant place so this surrender of character is a painstaking process i have seen people for example i'll give you one example how it can uh, change the perspective so we know what is happening in this world today and uh, this islam this person that person so at one place in bengali writings shubindo has written मोहम्मद दिस इज श्रेष्ठ योगी सो नाउ देर आर दोज डोंट लाइक इट बिकॉज यू नो इफ शुरविंदर इज रिटर्न दे आर कॉट इन डिलेमा दैट हाउ कैन मोहम्मद बी ए ग्रेट योगी एंड यू नो वट दी मुस्लिम्स आर डूइंग एंड वट इज इस्लाम डूइंग सो समन आस्ट मी एंड वर सेंग बट आई टोल्ड दैट पर्सन दैट पर्सन इज हिमसेल्फ सेंग दैट सी एवरीथिंग ऑफ शुरविंदो वी आर नॉट taking na i say no no that's not the right approach that everything of shirbindo we are not taking we take everything of shirbindo but the problem is in our understanding 
सो वॉट इज द प्रॉब्लम आई सेड यू एक्सेप्ट शिवरिंदर सेज यू वॉज ए श्रेष्ठ योगी यू वॉज ए श्रेष्ठ योगी डन विद ऑल एल्स सो द प्रॉब्लम इज वेयर हैज ही एवर सेड दैट प्रॉफिट मोहम्मद इज इक्वेलेंट टू इस्लाम और द मुसलमान एज ए रिलीजन इज फॉलोइंग आई सेड ही वॉज द ओनली प्रॉफिट एंड ही वॉज बेरीड इन अरेबिया अनफॉर्चुनेटली इट्स लाइक द सेम थिंग विथ जी बी चॉल सेड हाउ मेनी क्रिश्चियंस आर देर ही सेड देर वॉज वन एंड दे क्रूसीफाइड हिम so it's a way of looking at it so when you have that correct understanding he was a great yogi that's it that doesn't justify all these jokers i mean <laughs> all these fellows in the name of god in the name of god you say doesn't mean in fact in savitri in book uh, just as an aside book 2 canto 7 and 8 when you read descent into night he says they did this in the name of god saying how great are you how compassionate are you but did in their acts everything that would <laughs> you know belie him he must be thinking that why in my name spare me <laughs> change my name he must be applying to the bureau of god's naming ceremony ye kya naam rakh diya mere naam mein kyon raha so basically we must understand that this difference so we have certain opinions and if we look closely these are opinions where we have mixed up many things and we when we surrender these opinions we should say my don't understand this what does it mean you have written this this is what i see stand she will reveal to us what is the meaning of what she is saying otherwise we are filtering through opinion now in this situation which i recounted what was the problem now you see this sentence was quoted by another group also who wanted to say see we should love our mohammedan brothers musliman brothers because shurbindo has said mohammed was a great yogi sorry for this aside but it's important i said you are also filtering through your opinions because he is not equating this to that that is happening in our head and because this confusion is in our head there is a formed opinion it's coming in the way i'll give you another example very interesting how fixed opinions can come in the way of truth just today someone wrote to me that i believe that shurbindo people are meddling with the constitution you know this is so horrible this that you know is it true what is happening so basically what had happened was the honorable home minister had come and people gifted him in constitution there are some pictures of ancient you know like lord rama and all this and someone made a very beautiful compilation from shurbindo's writings about those pictures and had gifted it was nothing to do with change of constitution but the person oh, they are changing the constitution so i said okay this 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 is what happened this is nothing to do with change of constitution and besides constitution doesn't doesn't change like this but having said that what is so sacrosanct about constitution that it cannot change even word of god evolves how can we say that you know a constitution which is made is forever a gospel truth life evolves human beings evolve things emerge and we need to if change is needed it's needed see how opinions can come in the way and it began to analyze a whole you know shubindo's 150th year is being celebrated now even that event was being analyzed through this lens because we have a fixed opinion why not it can change what is so sacred i am not saying it should change or not and what changes should be there so when we understand that life is always in a in a momentum of change how can we ever hold on to not only our grudges holding them is the absurdest thing to happen because nobody else is suffering except yourself but our opinions that's why when we read shurbindo in the mother which is the book uh, about the path of yoga he says among rejection 
He says there are vrittis inside our nature, vital nature. But also there are opinions, prejudices, ideas. So you will see there is a tendency. Shurabindu's yoga, immediately somebody will quote, there are forums which are meant to discuss, you know, Shurabindu's vision of India. Suddenly somebody will put in there something about Shankaracharya, something from somewhere else, all kinds of mixtures. These are all opinions. We don't understand what really, there are contexts, there are states of consciousness. So we must understand that truth shines in its own light and we should try to access that truth. And then in its light we will be able to see. Was Shurabindu against democracy? Was he against dictatorship? These are all opinions. When we have read a sentence or two or a passage and we form, the mind automatically forms an impression. That is an opinion. Worse still, read something on WhatsApp, read something. Somebody asked me that, you know, uh, it was about, uh, you know, having read the agenda, the last portion about the mother and her departure. Oh, they killed, killed her in the ashram. They, people asked like that. I said, by the way, you really believe everything that is written is a gospel truth. I said, do you know who has written which part where? People don't even differentiate that this is a disciple writing and however great the disciple may be, one must use discernment and something which mother is speaking. And why she is speaking? So our mind must grow vast, supple. Nothing should be held on to, including experiences. Nothing. They must all be offered so that we can advance higher and higher. This was the way Vedic Rishis climbed. But we get stuck. Oh, you know, when I came, I had such a beautiful experience. I can't recapture it. Why should you? Time doesn't repeat itself. It goes further. There should be something still greater. So, therefore, meaning thereby, we should be like a child who is ever ready to learn. That child, that state of being like a child, full of wonder. Even if one has read all the books of Mother and Shurabindu and everything, still one should raise the question, do I really know? Even prior to that, what really is knowledge? And when we look into what really is knowledge, we'll be shocked. There is a place where Shubhita defines what is knowledge. Knowledge is oneness. We never knew it like that. No? We thought knowledge means I know the processes, why this happens. Knowledge is oneness. Look at the end of Savitri. What does she say? To feel love and oneness is to live. What is love? Again, we have these ideas. So the mother says that if, if you were to, if the divine love were to manifest, people will find it cold. Because we have our idea of love, which is purely human. So this way, to be like a child, to be supple, to be vast, to be open to the divine mother, to remold us, we may have, all of us will form a certain view about life, idea about the yoga itself. But, we must be ready to change it the next moment if there is a new revelation. It should not be a standard. Yoga for all things is not a standard format. It's not a rule book of life. What may apply at one stage in the yoga may not apply at another stage. What may apply in one state of consciousness may not apply in another state of consciousness. So not to have fixities, dogmas, rigidities, but to be in a very wide way supple and open to the divine and allow him to govern our life. That is the perfection of surrender. So when once we have 
made this and to the extent that we have made this, we'll see that more and more it is she who is replacing our personal effort. Till it comes a point where all that we have to do is to put ourselves in our hands and the rest is done. And of course a time comes when there is such a beautiful identification that even without our putting into our hand because we are in our hands, the whole journey of life is carried beautifully and all that we have to know, remember and do is to keep looking at her and say, Mama, you know like when the mother cat carries the baby cat, baby cat doesn't know what she is up to. <laughs> but all that the baby cat does with complete trust is to look at her from time to time and say, Ma, 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 that's all we have to do. That kind of trust we have to build Yoga is about union with the divine. In traditional yoga, it's union of the soul with the divine. In integral yoga, it's integral union with the divine. That means not only the soul, but also nature. And before union, we have to come in contact with the divine. Reading Mother and Shurabindo's book, looking at their pictures, coming to ashram, going to the samadhi are all ways and means through which we can actively come in contact with the divine. Therefore, they must be done. Because by doing this, we are coming in contact. Then after the contact, there develops a relation with the divine. So that relation comes by speaking to the divine. Candidly. Not like mother see, I am so good, that fellow is so bad. Do something about him. The mother will say, okay, okay. Let me first handle you. I will handle this fellow later. <laughs> His time has not come. So to be to build a bridge. What kind of bridge? How to form a relation? Shubindu says that fear is the worst kind of relation we can form with the divine. And the best is of the lover and the beloved. Nothing is hidden. Can the divine mother be also the beloved? Yes. Who is the beloved? Secretly we love only the beloved. But Baki is of Dunyadari. So, you know, there is a aphorism of Shirobindo where he gave me this clue. I used to wonder how can I uh, feel for the Divine Mother as beloved. This I can't do because I had a human idea of beloved, no? So, uh, I said, Mother, yes. Mother, father, everything else I can see in her. How can she be beloved? So, then I realized that aphorism says to commit adultery with God. This world was perfectly created. So, then I realized that she is the one. Meaning thereby, whatever may happen, things will come and go. But hold on to her or better still be held by her. That is what, if we can remember this, that this is a journey of the Divine Mother in us and through us. And to be held by the Divine Mother. There is a very beautiful uh, little letter of Sri Remember that the Mother loves you. Base your life on this one single advice. No, I find it so amazing. He is not saying, remember you must love the mother. As if we can love. Remember that the mother loves you. Regardless, this is a love which doesn't depend upon us. It's the divine mother's love. So to base our life on this one foundation, there is much talk about meditation. The mother says the number of hours spent in meditation is no proof of your spiritual progress. Sometimes it boosts the ego. It's a big ego booster can be. People ask, they have asked me sometimes, Sir, kitna meditation karte meditation? How much you meditate? Looking at your eyes, it looks you are meditating all day. So I don't know what to reply. <laughs> I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all day. <laughs> 
<laughs> Meaning there by what? What is meditation? Meditation is to think of the divine, to turn to the divine, to seek the divine. Meditation is not about sitting cross-legged. If that helps, do it. Meditation is not about breath control. If that helps to quieten down, do it. Meditation is not about a formal process and technique. The divine doesn't care about it. But if that helps, do it. Meditation is just to be in the ecstatic contemplation of the divine. And it doesn't require any fixed posture, process, position. But it is a state, as the mother says, a dynamic concentration where we aspire, seek dynamic meditation. Not a static where I am just sitting and opening myself. Yes, that is needed. Opening to receive. But also a state of dynamic aspiration. Dynamic meditation where we are turning upward into the vastness of our consciousness. Or going inward with a seeking fire. That becomes a dynamic meditation. When we are active, it's an active process where we are seeking something. And passive is when we are just opening everything to her working and action within us. So this meditation, again for that, Shubhinda had such a wonderful reply to Sahanadi. With that we will close and have a um, question answers. Sahanadi said, you know what Lord, I don't know how to meditate, I cannot meditate. So what I do, I sit and imagine that I am in the mother's lap. Shubhinda's reply, that is one of the best forms of meditation. Think that I am in the mother's lap or better still I am in the mother and the mother is within me. Double meditation. To think, imagine, conceive, let this idea grow that in everything she is there and everything is nothing else but varied manifestations and expressions of herself in the endless becoming of creation. Namaste. Thank you, Alokda. Thank you. There is no question. You have explained it so well, so nicely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I had one question. Thank you so much. Um, I meant to. Yes, please. Thank you. Somehow that face turned up. Today is Mother's Day in America. And I am not a mother, but, um, and it feels as if we are all mothering a new consciousness. True. Yes. And I wondered if you could tell us more about that, please. Uh, <laughs> um, I just had a short reflection in the evening on spiritual motherhood, which anyways will come on Aroma website, but very briefly... There are two types of motherhood and one is the mother who forms a physical body or if you may say three levels of motherhood. One is the mother who forms a physical body. Uh, frankly speaking, it is the material nature who forms the physical body. But yes, the divine mother becomes the vehicle because it's through her bloodstream, through all this that things go into us. The second motherhood is where which the physical mother can participate in is to form the personality of the growing child. And in there, the best template is uh, the fourfold aspect of the Divine Mother. Mother should be wise, uh, 
to you know discern to know what to give what to withhold always compassionate non-judgmental look at things with a wide impartial eye maheshwari's aspect mahakali she should always defend the child but also more importantly defend the truth so you know she should be like that um, not allow child to enter into ways of falsehood and try to defend that aspect this very brief i have spoken about it in little more detail in the evening so then there is of course the mother is mahalakshmi who fills the child's life with beauty harmony love but also trains the child in the ways of beauty so if mahakali teaches about truth and you know straightforwardness frankness you should teach the child how to be straightforward frank when mother was asked that you know what lesson what message we should give to a child she says absolute conviction in truth and the child should speak the truth and when the child speaks the truth do not punish it's a great quality so we'll see all these qualities again of mahakali and then mahalakshmi so beauty and harmony of thoughts beauty and harmony of feelings beauty and harmony of life and surroundings beauty and harmony of every outward act and gesture so she can be a psychological mother too if she shapes the child into a image of uh, you know some some image of god and of course as maha saraswati into the small little details of life that's why we see the mother's little writing on ideal child so this way she can fulfill the role as a psychological motherhood there are very few mothers who can enter into this role most do not even know they strive that the child must exceed do well and perform well and earn money so you know yes material nature physical motherhood is universal obviously but the second motherhood is very rare usually it is accomplished by a teacher Uh, as you rightly said that all of us are mothers at some level so all of us help in the shaping of children of the new generation and in that sense we are all in one sense mothers and then the highest motherhood is the spiritual motherhood where she gives a new birth to the child a birth into the spiritual consciousness so just as the physical mother gives the soul a birth into a material body the spiritual mother gives the birth into the spiritual consciousness and that is the relation with the divine mother we have both relation she is the spiritual mother giving us birth in the higher consciousness but the beauty is because she has taken a human body she is also the human mother so in that letter i had read in the morning she says you can turn to her for everything including the most material things so she take care of the body which she has been formed she take care about molding a psychological personality so that it can grow in the image of god and she takes care that we have not just one but a series of successive ascending births into higher and higher and greater and greater consciousness so this is the short part of it a little longer i have you know dealt with this evening probably by tomorrow it should come thank you Thank you, uh, Alokji. I think it's been wonderful, and I love the very matter-of-fact way in which you say it. It just goes in much better. Really grateful. Uh, I have been trying to understand this aspiration quite a lot. So, from very uh, from the initial days when I was intellectualizing it to making it very uh, far more grounded now, I think there is a shift. Uh, but still what it means 
uh, uh, if you could throw some more light and yes. the, is it generic to everybody finally at the end of the day for all of us really drilled it down would it be the same for each one of us or is it something which still has to be contexted and we have to reflect to find our own aspiration yes so as you rightly mentioned that you know the mind loses it because the seat of aspiration is in the heart so uh, the moment we try to intellectualize it or mentalize it we do tend to lose it so what we have to do is consult the heart and one very simple way uh, one step processes to ask oneself you know this was incidentally the message also i think uh, 24th april this was the message that we have to ask ourselves what is the okay not this 24th april the message but one of the 24th april this was a message given by the mother ask yourself when she was asked how to have 24th april how should we uh, observe it she said ask yourself what is the one most important thing in your life that is aspiration that is will give us the thrust for progress now we should not start with buts and ifs start with seeing it then there may be 100 buts and ifs one may say i want the divine but you know if you know no first is what is the most important thing so really aspiration is really born at, at a subconscious level it's simmering it's the fire inside everyone but it becomes conscious when we begin to seek the divine for the sake of the divine for the sake of the divine i mean it could be union with the divine it could be some divine quality which we seek to embody within ourselves it is an intrinsic process as long as we are asking divine for something outward it is really speaking not aspiration so it must soar from the heart sometimes um, there are exceptional moments in life when we are going through a crisis and we will notice that that time like a prayer something rises from the heart that is the quality of aspiration it burns with an intensity in the depths of the heart but when it comes through a crisis moment it tends to go away uh, after some time unless the divine you know wants to send us crisis after crisis <laughs> so that the aspiration is kept alive but otherwise it tends to recede when things tend to become nice so in that crisis moment we'll automatically see that when we are feeling helpless nothing is working out it's not the mind analysis it is feeling something in the heart rises that is where the aspiration lies so we must more and more refer to the heart maybe concentrate in the heart center on the mother's presence call her name most importantly ma 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 and one day we will see that within the heart is seeking is beginning to take shape the taking of shape will be different in different people because the aspiration arises from the psychic being each psychic being is a unique mode of representation of the divine its journey is unique and different so its form will be different it will be common in terms of arising from the heart and reaching out to the divine but because each path will be unique therefore it will take a unique form and unique shape so that is something each one has to discover for somebody it may be aspiration for wisdom another person peace third person may want harmony in life fourth person may want that you know may it can take that form of very external kind also but deep inside i want to be in good health and you know strength to do your work for somebody else it could be aspiration for faith another person aspiration for more and more devotion you know there was this man krishna prem who came to the mother he was a yogi ronald ronald nixon his name was 
he was re-Christian as Krishna Prem by the lady who gave him initiation, Yashodama. So he came here and when he met the mother, she said, Mother, I want, uh, she said, ask anything you want. She said, I want bhakti uh, for my guru. And then she looked deep into his eyes and very happily she said, but you already have it. He says, no, I want more and I want it perfect. She was so happy and she said, this is the kind of, uh, you know, metal of which yogi should be made. This kind of bhakti that he asked. So, it will take a different form in different people. And that's okay. That's how the game plan is and the divine enjoys each one uniquely. But it is in the heart. So, mind's reflection will not lead to aspiration. Mind's reflection can clear certain things and therefore uh, help in awakening it. But the seat is here. Basically, it is what do I really seek? It's a seeking. What I am longing for in life. And if you really see clearly, hard into all my wishes, desires, hopes, and go to the core of that longing, we'll touch the divine. So to that extent, mind can help by showing us that behind every kind of seekings, there is that one seeking. That much mind can help. But it seat is here in the heart. Thank you. Reading Mother and Shurbindo is excellent in terms of awakening, kindling this fire and helping it to grow. So every day, just reading Mother and Shurbindo, especially prayers and meditation. Wonderful way to increase the aspiration. Thank you. Subhashri, please go ahead. Um, okay. Yeah. Question is regarding the aspiration. So, uh, the more and more I am uh, getting understanding and exposure to the different aspect values, wisdoms, uh, different forces, I feel like uh, one aspir I and I am have I am ha striving for and to get everything surrender, faith, equanimity, and work upon all the areas. So in this case, uh, I am having multiple aspirations. Is it? Wonderful. Yes, yes. You are seeking for divine elements, elements which are helpful for yoga. So it's perfectly fine. One should, one can aspire for faith, for light, for surrender, for love, for devotion, even for gratitude. So everything, certainly. It's very much valid. So aspiration will take different forms in different people. It can take different forms at different moments. So it is aspiration. Sometimes aspiration is a little more difficult because it's a bit, uh, you know, it, it may or may not be with words. So a simpler way is to pray. Pray is another form that it takes. Uh, unless the pray is purely a mental thing. But if it is a prayer from the heart, it's with words and becomes very concrete. But it is just one form that aspiration has taken. The difference is only that prayer is addressed to a being. Aspiration is an aspiration. It's not necessarily addressed to someone. So it can take the form of prayer. But a prayer that rises from the heart on a crest of emotion. It's not a mechanical prayer, not a mentalized thing. So that's the simplest way. We should pray. We have forgotten to pray. <laughs> Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Yes, Subhashri, go ahead, please. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, Namaste, Alokta. Thank you for the wonderful presentation. Yes. Um, so my question is, so when you were talking about when we surrender our uh, destiny in the hands of the mother, then you you start seeing changes and you something unprecedented can happen. Unprecedented can happen. Um, and then this was something that was mentioned in the course as well that um, this path need not be necessarily be. full of suffering rather it could be a sunlit path wherein the progress happens not necessarily you have to go through pain and suffering for this but um so i want to understand so when we surrender sometimes i feel like okay there is a fear of losing what i whether uh, that will cause inflict so much pain that so that that is refraining me from even doing that yes uh, beautiful question and thanks for that so um, first of all um, sunlit path is an inner state and precisely it's a state of inner surrender sunlit path doesn't mean that outwardly everything will be hunky dory that is letter of shurbindo or difficulties won't be there no yoga can be like that but we go through it as if it's a child who is playing through the whole journey you know if you have seen the movie life uh, is beautiful where there is about the second world war where the child thinks it's all a game because his father has not told him that you are in a concentration camp and he goes through it he doesn't realize he is full of the joy of the whole journey so sunlit path is something like that where regardless of whatever outer challenges that will come in life or even inner challenges obstacles that will come in life you will be inwardly shielded from that so there will be no depression no rather you will be in a state of felicity and peace and the same event which otherwise would create a, a great turbulence inside will create a state even of uh, gratitude in, uh, within us because you can see clearly that this is precisely what will help me to come closer to the divine so that is the sunlit path and that comes precisely through surrender surrender with complete trust that whatever happens is a gift of grace having said that the fear where does it come from fear is comes from the ego self within us it is afraid as you rightly said of losing things which are is first we must understand that the divine is not wanting to do that it's not that you know like it's not like okay now i have surrendered the destiny will shift so he wants to tear away everything no he is the gentlest of the gentle this shift usually and need not be dramatic shift it takes place over a period of time through a process and that process is in divine hands it's not like one day suddenly all the people around our life were suddenly taken away it's not that divine understands us he understand the agony of human beings and how they may not understand usually do not understand his play so there is a process through which he takes us and if we have surrendered that process will be much shorter there are things in destiny which we have to go through whether we surrender or not because uh, as shubindu said things happen in our life because uh, you know blows come to all human beings not because they are bad but because they are attached to things which are of a temporary nature so if we are attached to something temporary today or tomorrow it is bound to bring pain even if that thing is with us we will not be able to derive happiness so this is a law of life even if we don't surrender but sur- when we surrender then the beauty is that we will start having an access to something else which will cushion us buffer us through all these events which are bound to come 
when we are attached to transient things today or tomorrow the happiness will go this is the wisdom of ages and anybody who has gone through life even a little understands it but when you have surrendered even while that thing is being taken away that fear i am addressing specifically because it had to happen in the course of thing because such is life you won't even realize it probably you will be in such a joyous state and you'll feel oh wow this was how it should have been so it'll be something much more beautiful than we can imagine that's what is the sunlit path as to fear yes the individual ego doesn't want to surrender because it's afraid of um, losing things but can we really tell that part that can we really hold on to anything forever in life you know not even our body not even let alone people let alone jobs things so the logical the wisest thing in life is to actually surrender in the hands of the one who is the master of destiny and fate fate anyways comes it's nothing to do with divine see people who don't surrender to the divine let's say don't they meet with crises challenges things where life takes away from them with what they cherished on the contrary if we turn to the divine even if it is taken away you won't feel the sting of it and it is usually done in a very harmonious way if it had to be done so that's how one has to look at it but life is bound to change see uh, destiny operates based on the consciousness within so whenever consciousness changes destiny is bound to change which means outer events are bound to shift we just can't help it but if we don't want them to happen that means we won't progress we'll remain all forever in a certain state which is not possible because nature will push us of course it's a slow process very slow process divine will make us go through in 6 months what would take us 6 lives which is not a very good bargain <laughs> yes uh i have a question yes i yes. even as i'm asking it i'm feeling a little stupid but bear with me uh does it mean then that if the that if you want to progress really fast you should keep putting yourself in circumstances which are mountains to climb and which make you learn that much and go no no not at all these things cannot be decided by the mental intelligence we'll end up doing foolish things if we do that because the mountain we choose to climb may not be our mountain so we should not try it mentally that i was climb this mountain no we should not bring difficulty challenges but progress means we will come out of our comfort zone that is for sure but i have i will have my own as you know that's what is said in the bible each of us will have our own cross to bear so that's my cross i can't start saying i have to pick up a cross let me pick up any cross first of all that cross may be too much for me <laughs> somebody has me climb the mountain here tries but for me i am going to pant so each one is given that difficulty which is measure in measure gram by gram weight by weight mother's words which our inner strength can bear so when we leave it to the divine it is that supreme wisdom which decides these things it should not be done with a mental i must take challenge and i must face life not like that we must uh, that <laughs> leave it to her life will provide enough challenges <laughs> so we should not worry uh, if there are great challenges take it that you know uh, she wants me to grow in great strength and great wisdom if there are less challenges so be it it's okay don't look for that but life will give challenges we should be focused only on 
moving towards the divine. But challenges will come in the way whether we move towards the divine or don't move towards the divine. The different because there is an evolutionary impulsion in life. So when we have not turned to the divine, the challenges will come. We'll try with our own strength. But in reality, what is any strength? It is from the one source of strength. Only we are not aware of it, so we get a little limited. But when we turn to the divine, then also the challenges come. This strength is joined to the divine strength and the wisdom and everything else. So we go through it much more smoothly and much more easily. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I have one question, Alokta. Uh, regarding the habits which yes. are sometimes in, engraved in our character and how to overcome, which sometimes can become the obstacles on the path. Yes, absolutely. So, of course, this is a very long um, area of discussion, habits, because habits are mostly rooted in the subconscious and some of them in the subconscious in the physical nature. So, it takes really time. But we must remember that there is nothing, nothing absolutely which the grace cannot overcome. But the longer the habit, the more persistent should be our, um, you know, surrender, aspiration and opening. So basically the, the whole crux lies in be more persistent than the habit. So the victory comes to the most persevering and the most enduring. It takes time. Some habits really, really take time, long time. But we should never give up. We should keep on offering, keep on offering and from our side do whatever little we can do which I am sure everybody does depending on the nature of habit, tries to master control. It's very little mental effort, counts for very little when it comes to habits to learn to detach oneself and look at it, not be caught up and flow with it. All that is true. But having said that at the end of the day, one has to keep persevering in offering at the same time in putting that little effort that we can yet put. Never to give up. That is true of life and that is even more true of yoga. Thank you. What is the indicator of change in consciousness? And uh, even if uh, certain knowledge has come to me and I am trying to change, how can I, yes, how can I know the change? What are the indicators? So the first fundamental change that is required and which comes through yoga is a state of inner peace and equanimity. Then there is a state of growing inner felicity or joy independent of circumstances. I am talking of the big changes. Small changes will come, several. Increase of aspiration is a change. Will to surrender is a change. Enthusiasm for progress is a change. So urge to give oneself is a change. The impulse to serve the divine is a change. Uh, love may grow in the heart for the Divine Mother, uh, growth of faith. So hundreds of changes will take place. But one of the first fundamental changes is a establishment in peace, equanimity and state of inner joy. Knowledge is for later. And yes, then a spontaneous knowledge which flows from the heart. That is the other aspect. This knowledge is always full of delight. The awakening of discernment. So all these take time. But uh, these are just some of the changes that will come through the process of yoga. And they are the much more important indicators than visions and voices or having some fantastic, miraculous experience. This change of consciousness is the real thing. Then this change will spread outside and even in our, in our communication, in responses, reactions, gesture, posture, 
habits, all these things begin to change because as it as it spreads outward. Uh, can you a little bit say more on discernment? So discernment is the ability to distinguish the true from the false. That which will help us towards the growth of yoga and that which will drag us down. So true discernment always orients us upward and inward uh, as against uh, uh, you know, a misuse of reason which draws us outward and inward, downward. So automatically a shift will begin wherein things of outer life which used to uh, draw us, engage us, make us interested, they'll begin to drop off. One will no more be able to take that kind of interest. One will automatically shift within and things which one was enjoying earlier because of this awakening of discernment within, automatically one will no more be able to enjoy the kind of company, the kind of things that one was doing. Uh, that will begin to change. So one will more and more seek something higher, deeper, more beautiful, more true, that which is of lasting good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alokda, for coming and for giving us all practical and uh, a practical understanding of what integral yoga is. And I always love it how you um, bridge it with, uh, with the real and living experiences of life. So thank you so much, Alokda, for coming and gratitude towards you. Thank you.